Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to teach you how to take back your life and dare to progress towards bettering yourself, honing your gifts, and using them for good in the world. Listen in to be inspired by others who are walking the same path of self-improvement paired with self-love, and to be a part of a community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. One of the biggest perks to podcasting for me is the relationships that I form on the show. With the guests that I have on in particular, it is something that is hard to explain. I have never met probably 95% of the people I've had on the show, but after we've gone deep in so many ways, I feel so bonded to them and we have formed really great friendships that have gone on past the show. Now, two of those happen to be a married couple that I've had on individually on the show. First, I had on Matt Davis. He was my first male guest, and you could tell when you listened to because through that interview, for some reason, I was so nervous talking to a guy about his problems (laughs) because I don't typically do that. Uh, He was fantastic. He talked about depression as a man and what it's been like for him. And then he was like, you need to you need to talk to my wife. And he was right. Celeste is incredible. We talked about her own journey through divorce and depression and how doing a Mrs. Pageant really helped her get out of a big funk and just amazing things. Both of them, they are one of those couples that you immediately love and feel so connected to. Matt and Celeste agreed to be on the show again for me today. I've had so many requests from people wanting to know what they should do for their spouses who are struggling with mental illness. Now, most of these requests came from women who are worried about their husbands, but this applies both ways. And it applies with any relationships that you have in life where your loved one is suffering and you don't know how to help them. And perhaps you take turns too in this relationship with mental illness. Matt and Celeste have both been through it. Matt deals with it a little bit more chronically, but they are going to share what this has looked like in their marriage and how they are able to turn to each other, both by taking turns and collectively when needed, and how that has transformed their love and the way they live. This is such a dynamite couple. I'm really grateful they're back on. Let's turn now to our chat together. I want to welcome Matt and Celeste Davis to the show. Hi, you guys. Hello. Hello. So good to have you two back. I mean, honestly, we've never met in person, but you two are one of my favorite couple on earth besides me and my husband. (laughs) If we had to have like a priority list, you're right under and packages you accept some packages cool I'll, I'll you want to know our ranking goes down and you can let us know <laughs> okay well I mean sometimes it might sometimes be Meghan Markle and Harry just a step above you it just depends oh. on the day just depends well, they are royalty I would say that Matt's better looking than Harry but I have nothing on Meghan Markle oh my gosh Whoa, yes you do hard. I'm I'm more bald than wait yeah I'm more bald than him. You're more, more only bald. only by choice. Yeah. No, I lost it. I'm like Costanza and Seinfeld. <laughs> the enemy. Well, okay, you two are just the most amazing couple. I love both of your stories, and I I'm just so glad you'd be um you know willing to come back on my show. I think I was a downright weirdo with Matt because he's the first man I ever interviewed, and for some reason that really tripped me up, but. Hey, we've had more practice now, so let's dive into this topic. We have a lot of people who have written in about their spouses, primarily their husbands. I have a lot of women who are concerned about their husbands being caught up in perfectionism and how that tends to look for them tends to be what I've read is a depression that an anxiety that oftentimes masks itself as detachment or anger even, or just numbness, um, as well as the stereotypical ways of sadness and checking out. And, you know, it's, I think it's tougher for men to talk about these things. So that's why 
I am grateful you both would be on the show because of Matt's own struggles with it, as well as you, Celeste. You've had your own struggles with depression, mm-hmm. too. I wanted to hear from a couple who's been through all of this and who can share what it's like to support each other and how that can look different for men and women or the same too in ways that we typically stereotype can be totally wrong in this regard. So this is where you guys chat and fill us up with wisdom that you have, you know, earned the hard way, but are willing to share so other people don't have to make some mistakes or that they can have more success in this area. So how about we start by kind of talking about when, when did depression kind of first hit for you guys, for who, which, which one of you, and what was it like the first time as you dealt with this, probably as a younger couple? Okay. So I have a family history of depression, but I had kind of always escaped it and, um, really felt like I was super lucky that, I didn't have to deal with that and kind of honestly a little prideful about it. Like I thought I was so good. And, um, and then after I had my first uh, child, I totally got just like, just hit so hard. And it wasn't honestly until she was about two years old that I really like realized how bad it was and what it was that I was able to like actually go, Oh my gosh, I do have to deal with this. And, um, so that was really hard because then I was also dealing with like the like disappointment and, um, it was just like a slap in the face. So, Hmm. so that sucked. Like disappointment because you're like, dang, I I thought I was better than this or disappointment in other ways. No, totally. Just that I thought I was not the one that had to deal with this. Mm. And, um, uh, I don't know. It was hard because I couldn't even like put into words and I was, there was some shame there where I didn't talk to Matt and, um, and also there was shame because my, my brain's telling me your life is terrible. You're terrible you should just leave and, and leave, you know, Matt and Sawyer to, they'd be better off without you. I was having, um, suicidal, uh, fantasies. Not, I wasn't like saying I would do this, but if a truck T-boned me and I happened to die, I knew everyone would be better off. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until it got to that point that I really, Oh my gosh, this is not me. This is not healthy. This is not normal. Uh, well, it's pretty normal because a lot of people struggle with it, but, yeah. um, but it wasn't what I wanted to be my, my normal. And so I had a great OB at the time and talked to her about what I was feeling and, um, was able to get prescribed some, uh, antidepressant. And we went through a couple before I found the one that like helped me be my most myself while on it. So, um, just to back up a little bit and maybe introduce Matt's into it is, uh, in my first marriage, which was very brief, um, my ex-husband dealt with some mental health issues too, but didn't deal with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and so when I got divorced at, you know, 20 years old and was making a list of just all the traits that I had learned that I had to have in my next relationship, um, I wrote no mental health problems, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And, um, my probably top favorite thing about Matt is how he deals with his anxiety and depression. It's made him an amazing, amazing human. And, um, and so part of your intro, I was kind of squirming about because my husband doesn't do anger. He doesn't do, uh, once in a while he'll hide in a cave, but he's gotten so much better at that. Um, he doesn't, he's, he's really more the more emotional, more emotionally intelligent person in our marriage, where he's really open to talk about his feelings and he's really open to talk about my feelings. And so everyone has such a different scenario and I hope that no one goes into listening to this and is discouraged because their husband deals with it in 
less healthy ways than, than Matt does because it's still hard, but I can totally understand how it could be a lot harder. I'm grateful for the ways that Matt has grown through it because probably if I knew him in high school, I don't know if I would have liked him when he was learning how to deal with it. Yeah. I don't think anybody liked me in high school. So. <laughs> well, I think those stereotypes definitely do us a disservice, you know, as uh, just prescribing how people deal with their emotional battles. Um, however, I mean, I do think that, like you're saying, that could be many people's case. Like there is that there, there are men who close themselves off or deal with it in different ways. But Matt, has it always been that way for you though? I mean, you know, back in high school, were you as readily able to come to terms with what you were experiencing and able to deal with it in an emotionally intelligent way? Or were you a little bit more of the stereotypical um, way of dealing with depression for men? Well, I'd say I was always open about it once I figured out that I did have a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, if I could just say one thing to Please. Celeste portion, if that's okay. One thing that just really scares me to this day is, you know, Celeste is more, she's just going to get things done. She's type A. She's going to put her head down and just power through it. And so to this day, whenever she tells that story, it just, it really frightens me mm -hmm. because there were things that could help her. Um, you know, there was understanding from, from me where I would help her very much, but I just really didn't know that she was struggling like she did. She actually reached out to a friend and that really got the ball rolling. And I was very grateful that she was able to do that. So it, it is a little bit maybe backward as far as stereotypes go, where I'm going to be the one that brings up a lot of, you know, emotions and feelings, you know, because of my background with my dad and everything else. And she's going to typically, try to, you know, like I said, power through, if that's fair. And that probably has a lot to do with my background with my dad, because he definitely has depression and he doesn't talk it through. And so he's got a great work ethic and, and that, so maybe, maybe I deal with it more masculinely than, mm. than uh, some other women would. Um, I think that for me, I, and you probably are the same way. I gather a lot of um, confidence or purpose in checking stuff off a list, but it does, it helps me like, okay, well it helps me like have value, I suppose, but it doesn't help me feel much happier. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Like you would think that if you had this purpose and you were working towards accomplishing some goals that you would be more happy, but I'm so unbalanced when I'm in that mode that I'm, I'm obviously not working on my mental health. It's just like just putting my head down and trying to get through it. So some combination of the way Matt and I deal with it, I think is what really makes us work and what makes having two people who have some mental health problems work. Um, we learn from each other and I think that's what's helped us succeed. Sure. You know, um, I want to get more into the how you two do this. Like, what do you actually do? Um, but first, let's kind of speak to this problem that you two have brought up. Um, the struggle that we often have to open up to pe the people closest to us. And why do you think that is? I mean, Celeste, that that was the, the struggle you had initially when you're with your first real big round of this is not turning to someone who could have helped you so easily and so quickly your husband who's also been through himself so why yeah. why do you think people do this well shame for sure because mm -hmm. I was literally like contemplating leaving my life and I didn't want to I knew I had it really good I knew that I was being um unreasonable but in the back of my head I just wanted to run away and sell churros on the beach Mm. And I felt like they would be better off without me. And so, you know, I don't think you would go to someone and say, oh, I've been thinking about leaving you. <laughs> Can <laughs> yeah. you help me with that? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I let it get so bad. And um, 
the reason why I probably didn't talk to him before that was because I was just trying to figure out who I was as a mom because it was really started out as postpartum and, um, I didn't anticipate having nursing and birth and I didn't anticipate having it be as hard, you know, mm-hmm. sleepless nights are not good for me. And, um, and I mean, gosh, I love my daughter, but that was a big change Huge. from not a mom to a mom. I had to, I felt like I, it would always be, you can never go to the gym again. You can never go to a concert again. You can never have your body to yourself again. All these things that previously had kind of defined who I was now were gone. And I really floundered trying to figure out who I was as a mom for a long time. And that really uh, helped me spiral into that depression. So they were things that I wasn't comfortable with, with my, within myself, let alone, um, talking to someone who, I mean, Matt and I have grown into a really open relationship where we talk about everything. And I mean, we had to grow into that. I think. Was this the the first instance then of that needing to happen? And how did that push you, Matt? And how did that push you as well, Celeste? Mm, when, I mean, when it all came down, it was kind of, uh, kind of a betrayal. I felt like because the friend that I had confided in confided in someone else, and then it got back to my husband, which oh, made dang. for him for it to it made it awful. I mean, just completely horrible for him to hear it from someone else, how I was feeling. And so, um, that was a big struggle for us. And I think we, from there made the choice to, to be completely open with one another and the way that he reacted to this, um, revelation from someone else and how much that hurt him would have hurt anybody. Um, the way that he reacted more concerned about my well-being than anything else really showed me that he would always be there for me regardless of how it affected him. So your reaction when someone does confide in you or when they (laughs) accidentally are forced to confide in you, like it was in my case, Mm -hmm. um, your reaction being one of love and concern and, um, okay, what are we going to do now instead of, I can't believe you would do that or spill mm-hmm. that way about me. Um, hmm. cause he huge. could see what it really was instead of, instead of become letting it hurt him quite as much. So Matt, it seems like, I mean, what you did there is you didn't make it about you. I mean, of course, there's going to be hurt there and sadness over yeah. not feeling like you were confided in. But Matt seems like that that's a pretty selfless choice to to own like, well, this isn't about me. I'm not going to turn this into another shame thing for this person. Um, what are your thoughts on on that? Like, how can we receive our spouse who is when they are able to be honest about some things they're struggling with and, and what was the thought process you went through for that? Well, I I think that you have to look at it as somewhat of a balance of, you know, a scale that goes back and forth where you have the role as the caregiver. And then you also have the role of the person who does have some challenges. And as both people understand that role, then they're able to understand that, hey, this is going to be a long-term process of dealing with this. And there are going to be times as a caregiver that you become fatigued, you become tired, you maybe can't handle the emotional strain of that of that person who's having challenges placing all that on you. And it may need to, to go back and there may be, need to be a rebalance where the person who's maybe going through some challenges then steps up a little bit. And I think that's where we've been lucky that the majority of times it's either Celeste or 
maid that is the in the caregiver position very rarely are both of us really down and out yeah and as long as we have that strength with one another then we can usually pull ourselves out i think looking back at that time i mean it's even tough to to hear about or talk about now because i'm i'm sure i'll get a call from my mother saying what you know what was what's going on here yeah <laughs> and it, it love was, you susie right and it wasn't it wasn't in my mind and Celeste could speak to it. It wasn't like this huge threat. It was just this, when you get to where you have some serious depression, there are thoughts that just, Mm. just like Scooby-Doo reruns all day long and you just can't get out of them. And so for, for us to just sit down and talk about it, I knew she loved me. I knew she loved our daughter and that we just needed to work through some things uh, as far as, these thoughts. Cause I mean, I may, I may be wrong, but I felt like our relationship was really good. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything driving a separation there. It was just when you have these, you know, these thoughts that are provoked by mental illness, they just, they can be so real. And I, I, a lot of times have to sit down with Celeste and say, okay, these are the thoughts I'm having, whether it's about work or whatever I'm doing, or if a friend hates me or whatever else, and then I just have her filter for me. I'm like, okay, what, what are these realistic? What's going on here? And she, then she'll think through it with me and she'll look at the logic and the facts and the circumstances. And then usually by the time I'm done, it'll be, okay, I'm trusting that she sees this clearly. And I'm just going to go with that for a little while yeah. until I can get feeling better. Okay. So here, you know, we talked about, don't make it about you. The next thing I'm hearing you say is understand mental illness, what it really looks like, how the science behind it, um, the signs behind it, and one of them being these um, thoughts that are uncontrollable, illogical, and need to be uh, kind of stood up to in a way that it becomes clear um, that they are illogical and um, how someone can work through that. I like that you guys take turns doing that. So when you, when you do feel that that uh, period might be sneaking up on you, I mean, if we've gone through this before, if we've experienced tra- uh, depression before um, to any extent, we know some of the symptoms or we can almost feel it creeping up. Yeah. At one point, do you share with your spouse, hey, I'm feeling it, and, and how has the other one um, helped you through just that shadow that is coming up. Yeah. I just recently had a pretty yucky one, but we're constantly talking. So I felt like there wasn't like a, okay, Matt, you gotta sit down. Cause he knows when I'm not feeling amazing. He knows. Um, but I, I can't remember. I have the worst memory. Yeah, one night one night I was out doing some community work and talking to this I had another gentleman with me and then I was talking to this lady and I, sometimes we just I think sometimes we just know whatever feelings we have but I stood up and said, "Hey, I I'm sorry. I need to leave right now." And then I left and came home and Celeste was really not doing well. And you know, we were able to literally sit on the the hardwood floor and just talk through things. And that was a a point that I was feeling fine. Mm -hmm. I I felt good about being in the role as a caregiver and where she needed some attention. And, you know, then, then it's the typical, okay, this is what's going on. What tools do we have and what are we going to use? Yeah. And sometimes you don't use, really any tools you just talk it through a little bit yeah. and it subsides but other times it's hey i'm gonna try medication round or yeah. or talk to a counselor for a little while which it seems like in the last few years back to my initial interview i was like hey i think i'm gonna medicate again i was struggling hmm. and for me when i got on the medication it was like this is horrible i'd rather deal with what i'm dealing you well, know, that wasn't the right call. one for you for sure. We know that now. And, but it was okay because we were willing to, to keep, uh, experimenting with how to get better. And the, the 
big commitment we have and the, I think the big struggle that people have is I think they think mental illness says it's some sort of shameful thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a great, uh, great book called The Road Less Traveled uh, by a psychiatrist who talks about the people who are happy are the ones that basically realize that life is hard and they accept that. Mm-hmm. And... I've been thinking about it a lot lately where, you know, we have, we have so many youth right now who are struggling with anxiety and depression, things like that. And I've, I've asked a lot of people, counselors, another thing, like what's, what's really mental illness and what's not, what, what should we be doing? Should we be pushing these kids? And the answer I've gotten from, for myself and, you know, if people could disagree, that's fine, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's hard for them whether or not they have mental illness. And so there's no reason why they can't use some of the same tools, mm-hmm. whether it's mental illness or not. Now, don't take that the wrong way where there's, there's actual mental illness where people need to maybe dive in a little deeper. But the point is, is that life is hard for, for all of us and we can all use tools and have this commitment to Hey, this is probably not going to completely go away ever. It's going to be something that I can happily deal with because I'll tell you right now, I tell people all the time, I, I have cycles with anxiety and depression quite a bit and I, I love my life. I, I used to like Celeste said, I wanted to, you know, get cancer or whatever in high school, but now I just love being alive despite any of these feelings that I have sometimes. I think it's part of the fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like that shift though is I I you know, I kind of feel like with with our youth and I, I saw this just as a middle school teacher before social media was so big, but then, you know, they had reality TV then that the kids were so into of teens and their lives. It's just like having that me culture helps you think that your life is supposed to be happy all the time because that's what you see in front of you. And to not really understand that that this is the tide of life. It's the ebb and flow that we all are meant to experience to different extents, I think can be really freeing in the shame piece of it. And just knowing that that could be a part of your marriage and taking turns or supporting one person who tends to have more of a struggle with that, I think will go a long way to really helping people more. Yeah. I think, um, when one spouse is having a downtime, I think the other spouse just has to really not make it about them. Like you said, and just kind of willingly put themselves in the role of like seeing eye dog or, or someone who's helping a friend that has a vision impairment because you would never walk down the street arm in arm with this friend of yours who doesn't see and berate them for running into the light post and you would never feel like um like they should be doing for you like you're in that role of guiding and helping them at this point in life to to not get hung up on the things that are going to trip them up and and just to guide them around the things that aren't true so it's not about you, even if it is about you, even if it is like yeah. really directly um, offensive to you, you know that it's not them seeing clearly. So you just get to not be offended. Hmm. And it frees you up to be empathetic and loving, and that's what they need. Oh, I love that. Well, I, I also love that you two have this almost packed between us to talk. However, I'm sure that there have still been times where either one of you have been reticent or still kind of caught up in the shame cycle of not really wanting to put this burden on somebody else. I know when I struggled with, um, when I was neck deep in my own struggles with eating disorders and all the mental illness that comes along with that, I did not share it with a soul. And it was because of that shame piece, not wanting to be a burden on someone or not wanting to be watched. So as the spouse who might be in the caretaking role for a certain period, um, 
what would you two advise that person to do if it's clear that their spouse, something is wrong, but they're not being upfront about it? How can they open those doors of communication in a way that that person feels that they can be supported enough to talk? Because you can't make someone talk, you know? No. So that's a struggle there. Tell us about that. Well, I always want to be, for me, I always want to be that person that if somebody comes to me and says, you, you wouldn't understand, I want to be the person that says, try to make me understand, help me understand. And I think that that's why people don't talk a lot of times is because they don't understand what they're feeling. They don't understand how to articulate with words what it is that's going on. I mean, if you, yeah. if you look at our language, most most sentiments of love and affection and other things are, are conveyed in a metaphor or in a, you know, some sort of simile. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to express emotion yeah. very accurately. And so sometimes it's just a sounding board of, Hey, let's talk through this. Let's cycle through a few times and get to some root causes. But in the beginning, you're going to be so bad at expressing how you really feel. And for me, that's a big part of why I go in the cave is because as a dude, I have no idea what I'm feeling and until I go and figure out, okay, this is what's bothering me. And then I can go back and say that, hey, this is bugging me. So what are some good, like, conversation starters, though? Like, or how, how can you... It's, it's difficult because I don't want anyone to think that they can force that, their spouse, to open up, but... Uh, maybe what would be a helpful way to at least show them that, hey, I recognize that you're going through something and and what could they offer to that person so that they feel more comfortable in opening up and talking it through? Well, we just did this the other day. Mm-hmm. You yeah. were acting off. You How did we me. get through that? You mean that? He was off and... Years ago, I would have been like, it's because I didn't, and it's, and that's selfish of him to think that I should do that on a day when I've been sick and gosh, what does he want from me and how much better can I do? And, um, and that's the the thing I would have gone down and then we would have had multiple issues. So, um, (sighs) which this is a 50 50 because we, you know, ended up talking like after kids are in bed and everything, yeah. it's like 11 o'clock at night and we're exhausted. Yeah. And so it took a little conflict until it was, again, getting yeah. to the root of it. And then after talking back and forth for a little and having some frustration for one another, yeah. then it was, she walked me through, and this goes into a big part of what I think has been successful for us. She and I have constantly been trying to learn just skills or how to, whether I'm reading books or she's doing like great podcasts like this and other things. Well, she was able to apply some of the knowledge she'd gained, she'd gained from something she's done and then help me walk through really some, some thought work. Yeah. What was, had been bugging him, which had nothing to do with me. And it was within one minute after getting to the root problem and her just applying some of the knowledge she had. It was, hey, this is, I'm feeling better. We've gotten to the, the heart of the problem. Nobody's offended. And then it's go to sleep. Yeah, but I can only say day. what works for us, you know. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like maybe in order to talk about those things, you have to talk about everything. Hmm. For If you have an open dialogue constantly, and some people don't talk that much. I don't know, Matt and I are talkers. And so that's, that seems trite to say when someone's like, well, my husband's a cowboy and he does or whatever, you know, he just doesn't talk. But, um, but if you're talking about a lot of things, then it'll be more natural to talk about the hard things to talk about. You'll gain more trust. Hmm. That so, may not apply to no. Well, but it can, though, for different periods. I mean, when times are good, it's maybe working on that part of your relationship so that that can be a little bit uh, stronger foundation when those issues do come up. And Matt, I feel like you were going to say something. 
Oh, I was just enjoying listening. I was, I was going to mention that if there are Cowboys listening to this podcast, I love Cowboys. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm supposed to have one on the show soon, so I'll share that one with you. And he's we are really, really good about prioritizing our time about date nights every week. Mm. And um, so that we are getting one-on-one time and attention that's not distracted. Yep. So just even those good old relational relationship uh, tips, they really are important. I mean, yeah, like you still need those things in place in order to better support each other through the low times. Let's take a little break here. A few months ago, I told you about an incredible workout and meal plan from the Vibrant Life Studio. It's called Vibrant Bite. Now, I joked that, oh my goodness, this is gonna make me able to quit my my gym membership. And guess what? (laughs) I totally have. And the reason why is because I don't need it anymore. Truthfully, it was not working with my baby and my little kids. It was just too much work to get there and only spent a little bit of time because my baby wasn't really happy there. I do have a cheap membership at at a much smaller gym that I go swim out on Saturdays, but Monday through Friday, I am working out from home. Vibrant Bite has made this possible for me. It gives me three workouts a week to use, and I look at that each morning that I'm going to be doing it, and I repeat past ones too, and it not only does it tell you step-by-step how to do things, if you aren't familiar with a move, you click on it, and it will show it to you, which has been really great for this strength training newbie. I cannot recommend Vibrant Bite enough. It is only $20 a month, which is a lot cheaper than most gym memberships. You can do it from home or you can do it from the gym if you do have a gym membership but just need some guidance like me. I have linked to where you can sign up and I also have a code for you to use to get $10 off your first month, making it only $9.99 pretty crazy good price there, folks. I am loving this. I truly do use it. I have barely missed a workout of theirs since I have started this probably four months ago, and I know you're going to love it too. Let's get back now to my chat with Matt and Celeste. Okay, so I I wanted to speak about the caretaker who might be uh, experiencing the fatigue of being in their role. And as you said, you know, you do feel that sometimes. I mean, that does come up and maybe you need a break too. There might be some people listening who they're kind of permanently in that caretaking role and that can be really difficult. Or maybe they have periods of it being long or more than they can handle. What have either one of you and both of you done when you have been in that place that has still been helpful um, in your relationship but also made... um, made it so there's almost not like a victim mentality on both sides, like victim as the person with depression and victim for the person who is always the caretaker and the resentment that can come in there. So I think that the nice thing about, or at least for Celeste and I, is that we have kind of this parallel universe where when we really struggle, our problems are the same, but they're different. So it's, you know, I'm worried about, clients. I'm worried about providing for my family, uh, typical things. And then she may be, you know, I may talk to her and she has the same worries, but her clients are four children. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's okay there because we, I may, you know, I may be fatigued as a caretaker, but because it's not the problems that I'm going through, it's not quite so intense. So if I can just separate myself and not get emotionally invested into whatever she's dealing with, like I can have empathy and things like that, but not really get in and be like, Oh, we're ruining everything. Like, Oh yeah. Not trying to fix things. Yeah. Not trying to fix it. Yeah. Then that helps me to not get drained because then I can just be the sounding board and not, you know, jump into the pool and try and bring her back in. But I can sit on the side and be like, Hey, I'm right here. Oh, uh, wow. You know what I love about that is you're acting as a caretaker, not a savior. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay, what else were you uh, going to say? Another thing is anytime you're doing any kind of ter- caretaking or service, you have to watch your motives. Are you doing it out of resentment or are you doing it out of love or are you 
you expecting something? You're expecting something in return? That's going to get real old real quick. If you can't come at a problem from love, you're, you're, it's pretty much automatically going to be resentment for myself if it's not love. Definitely. Holy cow. I mean, that's a diff- that's like a transformational piece of wisdom right there. I mean, that can apply to everything that you experience with other people. Yeah. And if you, if you can't get to a place of love, then you have to find some way to say, to say no until you can. Um, and that's a sticky place, which may not apply to this situation. And I think, I think knowing what the, you know, the far reaching goals are of one another really help. Like Celeste has been doing this amazing thing lately where she just decided to do, to become a, a body combat instructor. Yeah. Which, you know, we, we talk about how, okay, why do we have depression? And normally when we have depression, it's because some, some old part of us is dying. And then there's, there's this void. And then we have this opportunity to fill that in with something new and breathe life into it. And then we, it invigorates us. But this process has been a challenge for her where there's been a lot of times where it's, okay, I've been treading water in the pool for a while. And then there, it's an opportunity for me to speak with her and say, okay, what's our, what's our far reaching goal here? Why are we doing this? And it's, it's not, Hey, I just want to do this so I can, you know, earn a little extra money or anything like that. It's no, I want to do this so I can help my kids persevere through hard things or so I can be an example where I work out. And I mean, I'm speaking for Celeste right now, but we've talked about it a lot. Yeah. So I feel like I can. And there's, there's days that I would probably rather be like, you know what, why don't you just stop doing it? Cause this is, we're really putting a lot of effort as a family, the whole family circling around you. I would naturally think that, but because I know what her purpose is in doing it, we're, we're sticking with it. Like I believe in her so much <laughs> because I know, I know the characteristic that the outcome is. I don't, I don't care about the, the actual tangible outcome. I know what characteristic she's going to gain from it. And so that excites me and I think keeps us moving in the right direction. But did you notice how he just talks about things as we instead yes. of she's working on this? Mm-hmm. We, that's a major part of why this works is because he's such a good example of just team. You know, Definitely. what you want to do is what I want to do and we're going to do it together and I'm going to support you. So that's definitely one thing that, that helps us work, you know. Well, you two have this amazing balance of being equal parts committed to each other, but also having such a strong sense of self and holding to that, too. Um, and we've talked about in, that in different ways about not making it about you, considering your motives, acting as a caretaker, not a savior. Um, and keeping that bigger perspective in mind, I just so admire that you're able to balance both of those sides of the pendulum there. And, you know, I imagine that there will be many people listening to this as a couple, and I hope they are, actually. I hope that this becomes a podcast episode that people listen as spouses. And I would love it if we could end with... Uh, let's go to the stereotypical way that people deal with things. And I'm talking about gender stereotypes here that have been written into me. So I do know that m- many people struggle with um, perhaps a man not opening up and the woman feeling at a loss of knowing how to help them. So Matt, as a man who might be more emotionally equipped than most, but who have who has seen firsthand the effects of someone who is not able to be open um, for many reasons. Can you tell the men who are listening why it's worth depending on your spouse and being vulnerable enough to share your weaknesses and the things you're ashamed of and, and fighting with emotionally uh, so that they, they, they know that it's safe there? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think as men, we want to be admired. We want to feel loved. And I think a lot of times 
whatever's going on in, in the world or what we see on our drive to work or on our phones or other things, it defines an attractiveness that women may have for us. And I think if you were to sit down as a man and talk with your spouse and say, hey, what really drew you to me when we met? And I'm pretty certain your spouse is going to be telling you the things that are maybe not so cool. Mm-hmm. The, the subtle things about you, that the humbleness, the meekness, the wanting to be a good guy wanting to talk through things, wanting to, you know, coach eight-year-old soccer or whatever it is. Those are what make you attractive to your spouse. And and I can't speak for women, but I just, I would think that that would be the case. And I think a lot of times in this crazy world, we feel that, you know, being like Rambo or whatever else is going to be the way that our wives and and kids think that we're the best. And there is a time for that when you have to be the strong one as a man and be fearless. But behind closed doors with your spouse, I think that if anything's going to bring closeness to a marriage, it would be going back to those, some of those initial conversations that you probably had and some of those feelings that you you felt, and maybe it's one of those things where you like write down a list with your spouse and just have them go through that and realize, Hey, this is actually what, what cultivated our relationship. Hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. Celeste, you said mm-hmm. in the beginning of our, our interview that Matt's struggles has made him a better human. So, for that man who's listening, who might be the stereotypical way of having a hard time opening up, how has Matt changed for the better in what he has learned and what you've witnessed him, these transformations he's gone through? How is he a better human? Um, I feel like I've always been with the more emotionally... Um, uh, what's the word? Emotion. <laughs> intelligent. Thank you. Or, yeah. Really intelligent. I feel like I've always been with the most emotionally intelligent Matt and it's just gotten better on that scale. Oh, I see. Yes. Mm-hmm. When I hear about, you know, things that he may have felt in high school, I just can't see it. I was a jerk in high school. He, was, he says he was a jerk <laughs> in high school. I don't know. But, um, but I can't see, I can't see that. I can't see that in him because mm. he's, so empathetic, um, and makes people feel so seen and loved just by the way that he interacts with them. He's always about the other person. He's always talking, asking them for more information about themselves. He never talks about himself. And, um, that's such a sign of an amazing leader. Because when he knows how he can serve best, then he's that much more effective. And so for me to watch him as a parent and um, to see how proactive he is, that didn't come from being macho. It didn't come from not being vulnerable. It came from sharing, you know, his experiences and, um, and acknowledging that others have gone through really awful stuff too. And, and just being full of love anyway, you know? And so I don't know if that speaks to what you're asking, Totally does. but, um, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be his, his wife because he inspires me every day to, to be a better person. And, to have more patience with people and to give of myself more, um, than I would on my own naturally. So the things that I struggle in, he's a champ at, and I hope it's vice versa. Oh, I know it is. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, you two definitely are giving me all the couple goals here. And what I'm so inspired to by is that you've both, talked about how this is something you've grown into you've worked at you've cultivated and 
if people who are listening are thinking, well, we are totally not that way and they just feel more depressed about their situation and give yourself the grace these two have and know that this can come with a lot of growth and focus and commitment. And I mean, you can just sense the love through through all the wires here. I'm, I'm really, really grateful to you both for taking the time to be back on my show. Thank you very much. Yeah, and then if I could just mention one more thing Please. before we go. Yes. If that's okay. Of course. I, I think a, a lot of times for guys, you know, there may be some external things going on that are causing depression. We may feel that we have some sort of habit or addiction to something that may be shameful, uh, things that we shouldn't be doing. And uh, just a couple of things that I would suggest thinking about is, number one, it, if your spouse is open to talk with you about those things, your chances of getting better and overcoming go up significantly. You will get better. And then the second thing is when you ask yourself if you can overcome the challenges you have, ask yourself if you see yourself ever having a time that you don't have that problem in your life. And if that isn't, a situation where you see yourself overcoming that, then then you need to talk more until you get to the point where you see yourself overcoming that challenge, and then you can you can get better. But it's like anything else. If you're if you want to be a really great baseball player or something, you have to go and put your ten thousand hours in. You have to work at it. You can't just say, "Oh, that's not how we are. This is horrible." Well, then you're right. You're not going to ever be that way. But if you can fake it till you make it and keep putting the work in, you're way more likely to make progress. And then you'll see that you're making progress. And then you're going to change the way that you think about it. And it's going to become a possibility. You're going to be able to see yourself overcoming what that is. So I love that. Just keep chipping away way at it you can totally do it and the way progress is is i mean you don't really realize how far you've come mm-hmm. for for years at a time until you look yeah. back and realize oh wow we are a lot better i am a lot better we're better at dealing with this so that gives you know us all so much more hope and now you've given me an idea for another episode that i need to do <laughs> on just addiction and how that can play into couples because that is something that we deal with in a myriad of ways as well so thank you for that idea but you two you're fabulous thank you so so much aren't they so much fun i really feel like i have met them in person but i haven't and i can't believe we haven't done it yet cannot wait to meet these two I am so grateful to Matt and Celeste for being here and for sharing their heart and being so open about something that can be so touchy and hard to talk about. I hope you were able to gather some good tips about how to deal with mental illness in your own relationships and to support one another the way that Matt and Celeste do. I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you so much for taking the time. If you want to find out more about me, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at About Progress. As always, the show notes are on my website, aboutprogress.com. You guys, I have some really, really, really exciting and nerve-wracking, stressful, fun, all of the above things in the works for you. So bear with me. I have a lot I'm going to be throwing at you in the next few months here. So I'm just so grateful you're here and I will see you next Wednesday for another great interview. And until then, remember life is about progress, not perfection. So don't you quit.